Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Now I've had the time of my life. I've never felt like this before. I swear, it's the truth, and I owe it all to you, cause I've had the time of my life. Slow down, slow down. And I owe it all to you. Am I out of tune? You're out of tune and you're way ahead. Now we're doing little, little, little sambala. And I'm fluffing my skirt. I'm fluffing my skirt. I'm, Are you fluffing your skirts? I've got someone's hand coming down the side of my face. Is that Patrick Swayze? No. <laughs> no, you've got a spider dropping from the ceiling. Now, the reason we're talking about Dirty Dancing is because Jennifer Grey has written an autobiography and it's called Out of the Corner. And apparently, Patrick Swayze didn't want to say the line... Nobody puts baby in the corner. He didn't want to say that, and he always turned up late. That's iconic, though. I mean, I bet he's glad he did say it, because everybody knows that Well, line. he's not that glad, because he's dead. Yeah, but he would have been. So I love this book by Jennifer Grey, because she's very candid, and she's quite open about everything, and she talks about Johnny Depp. I've been watching the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trial live, Paul McCartney's Team Johnny. Yeah, we're all Team Johnny. I don't know anyone, actually, that isn't Team Johnny. And she was, Jennifer Grey was engaged to Johnny Depp. He was a teen idol. Have you seen footage of him? So hang on a minute. She's got to grips with Johnny Depp and Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swizzle and Johnny Depp. That's too much for one person to have in one lifetime. That's just not fair. So she was engaged to Johnny Depp and he was the most beautiful. Right after Dirty Dancing, so she was very famous. They were engaged. He booked her into a hotel... And he never turned up, and she never heard from him again. Right. She was ghosted by Johnny Depp before ghosting even existed. But you don't ghost someone you're engaged to. How do you do that? Johnny did. Johnny did. And after she was ghosted by Johnny Depp and he never turned up at the hotel, she decided to have a nose job. No. Do you know what? When I saw a picture of her, I didn't recognise her. I was so sad that she'd she'd done that. But the minute... after she was in Dirty Dancing, the phone didn't ring. It's a bit like my career, really. You think, you know, you think you're the bee's knees and then no one wants you. She got ghosted by Johnny Depp. She wanted to look less Jewish. And she did. She got a film straight away. And this is from the book. After shooting for six months at sea, I was tanned. One day, the brilliant cinematographer came up to me and said, there is this little white... I don't know, it looks like a bump on the end of your nose. What is that? People say that to me. What is that? It's mean. As soon as he said it, I knew what he was talking about. I'd been telling myself that it was probably nothing anyone but me would ever notice. 
There was a tiny corner of cartilage close to the surface. This is after the nose job protruding from the tip of my nose. I had this sinking feeling, a dread. I thought I'd close the book on this chapter. The first time I saw my father after this, I was hoping to hear that I looked beautiful. After 10 minutes of small talk, I got up the nerve to ask him point blank. So what do you think? He said, I think it would probably be best if you didn't go out in public for a while. <gasps> Poor Jennifer. Bad daddy. But wasn't she beautiful in Dirty Dancing? Yeah. Because she didn't look like anyone else. No, and, and, and it's like Barbara Streisand, isn't it? You know, she's the yeah. same sort of beauty. And they are beautiful. They're just not your standard beautiful, which is nicer. But I mean, Barbara I think, Streisand oh. had enough confidence in her talent but in Funny Girl, she... Not to change, but Jennifer beautiful. Grey didn't. I think we have to partly blame Johnny for this. Yeah, well, I think being ghosted by your fiancé, whoever they are, is, is, is going to knock you a little bit. But then what I love about this book is she has these little antidotes about Patrick Swayze. And she says, in the scene where Johnny and Baby drive off in his car, and she's supposed to be laughing, exclaiming, you're wild. I was having a hard time laughing on cue. Patrick Swayze was off camera and I asked him to help me out. When they called action, we started to drive and with his eyes sparkling, Patrick took his dick out of his pants. He knew this couldn't help but make me laugh with genuine abandon. So she saw his front bottom. We're back on the front bottom, aren't we? She saw... Is that air word of the week? Patrick's... That was last week. She saw Patrick Swayze's front bottom and laughed. See, I wouldn't laugh. I'd take that as an invitation. If he he lobbed his crown jewels out at me, I'd take that as an invitation. You've got to love him. I do love... I'd love to have loved him. So apart from reading Jennifer Grey's book this week, and I finished the Tina Brown book called the palace papers and i read it even though it's really thick i read it in about two days and i wanted to get first to all the megan stuff because no one cares about anyone else do they we just care about megan no it seems to have gone that way doesn't it and she had some really sort of bitchy comments to make about megan and she kept going on that megan was this wannabe actress and she'd turn up to the opening of a postage stamp and she worked till four in the morning but she was number six on the call sheet, which means you aren't very important. And I just, that made me respect Megan more because she was actually trying to succeed in the most difficult industry in the world. And even though she was number six, at least she got cast. No, and actually, do you know what? Love her or hate her, she whatever got rejection you think after rejection her. after rejection. Yeah. Her She's tenacious. biological clock was ticking. She saw Harry. But also, with, with Megan at the end of the day, love her or hate her, however you feel about the situation... She's a woman that's gone in and tried to create a family unit that is a life that they want. What did she do wrong? She emailed people at 3am. I email people at 3am. Yeah, me. (laughs) Me. Anyway, I have to read out a very, very funny post on Facebook this week. And this is a warring couple, not Johnny and Amber, not Liz and Nurple. And he wrote on Facebook, this man... He was called Chris, and he's a bitter-sounding chap from Stockton on Tees, according to the Times, who is selling his ex-fiancé's wedding dress for £5, and he labelled it size fat. Oh, uh, that's a bit like my husband saying I'm vacuous. Yeah, I think it's worse, actually. <laughs> he wrote on Facebook, 
The wedding dress is a size 12, I think, though she's prone to lying. So possibly it's a size 14 to 16. And it's quite chavvy in style, so would suit a cheap slapper. (laughs) And then he adds, had a lucky escape as it's brand new, which is more than could be said for the intended wearer's well-worn vagina. Uh, oh. Something's happened very bad to him, hasn't it? I wonder it? if that's my ex-husband and he's gone on to someone else and he's now selling our wedding dress. Is his style of writing? So you and I have both been watching Davina and the Menopause. We did, yes. Yeah. We have very conflicting views on this. Much as I sympathise with people who suffer very badly, and she did, she couldn't understand why she was suddenly sweating and she couldn't remember things. But what annoyed me was the big sort of banner ad on bus shelters and everything saying one in 10 women give up work due to the menopause. And all that made me think was, great, let's make older women even less likely to be employed. If one in 10 give up work because of the menopause. How true is that? How Do you know anyone who I did have that? I no idea. Do you know anyone who did that? No, no. I, no, I don't. I don't. Let's make women less employable. They're going to have brain fog. They've just recovered from baby fog. Now they're going to have menopause fog. They're going to be sweating. They're going to be irritable. They're going to forget things, as Nicola, I'm sure you're going through it. Make them less employable by publicising it. Let's just keep it a secret. I'm- I think she's saying... Women are a liability. They're going to give up work when they have a baby or when they marry a rich husband. And we know who I'm talking about here. And then when they get in the menopause, and it's like, no. at what point can the woman actually be employable and turn up on time? No, I don't think that's what she's saying at all. I think what she's she saying... Said one in ten women give up work. No, but I think what she's saying is we need to recognise that this is a problem and people need to get treatment and need to... Because, you know, HRT can revolutionise your life. It cha- you know, you need to have the appropriate treatment. Without my thyroid medication, I'm on the floor. You know, I'm, I'm really ill. So you just need to identify what's wrong with you and, and get help. For adolescents, teenagers are moody. Girls get spots. They're irritable. They sleep all the time. You don't medicate that because that's just growing up. Yeah. But I think if, if you've got something... You, you, your body is used to having three hormones and then they go away... Why but wouldn't you replace it? No, but why wouldn't you? If you can replace those hormones and f- get your energy back and feel better, why wouldn't you do it? Because there have been risks associated with that. There have been risks. I think I think they're less now. I think we're more advanced now. I mean, it used to be that um, HRT was made out of mare's urine, wasn't it? Which I obviously wouldn't have had. It's not like that anymore. Things have changed. Thank God, things have changed. And I just don't see. If no, I something understand wrong with some you, women why? suffer badly, but let's just keep it between us. Because the more you moan about that, I need time off for the menopause. I need puppy leave. I need maternity leave. My teenagers on drugs. The less you're going to be employed. No, but I think the whole thing is he's talking about it and communicating about it. it. Makes people aware that there are options out there, and you don't need to feel like that. You don't need to be so tired. You don't need to be so exhausted. I mean. Brain fog is is shocking. It's awful. You can't put your words together. You can't focus. Even reading a book, it's, it is so difficult. It changes your life. If you can do something about it, in my case, it's thyroid medication. And and if it had come back that I was menopausal, I would have gone to the doctors. Would you? And, and said, you know, I want HRT. I want something to help me. Yeah, absolutely, because I don't want to feel like this. 
And if I could find a solution, yeah, damn it, I'd take it. Maybe it's the menopause. Maybe you're on a slippery slope. No, I ordered a te- I ordered a test after watching this program. I actually ordered a test, and it it was negative. And I don't think they're necessarily 100% reliable, but they're, they're supposed to be quite reliable. But I, I, if, if I'd have had a positive test, I would have gone to the doctors and asked for help. Because I think I we don't just want to rely be... on doctors too much. I think what we should do, especially when it's so busy and cash-strapped, make sure you sleep enough, you have great nutrition, you rest, you exercise... Too few people actually think, okay, I'm going to look after myself. They just say, oh, well, why doesn't my GP fix that? Why doesn't my GP fix that? No, I agree. We've got, we have got a level of personal responsibility without any shadow of a doubt. And I think, I think the GPs are sort of pushing people that way. So if you are diabetic and you're overweight, they will find ways, you know, set, refer you to weight management teams or, you know, talk about you about weight loss. That they are being very proactive in lifestyle choices now, in a way that they didn't used to be. And certainly, if you're depressed or you've got anxiety, they'll but be even, talking about. Even with depression and anxiety, you shouldn't just medicate people. And I was prescribed anti-anxiety tablets, but I was too anxious to take them. So I was so frightened. I was too frightened to take tablets. It's about going for a walk or. Yeah going for a swim i mean certainly when i saw my doctor you know and he thought i was quite depressed you know he did talk to me about mindfulness apps and cognitive behavioral therapy and all different things what he didn't do is offer me antidepressants so i think things are changing i really do and well, actually there are well, times when I i'm mean, like well, no i want the drugs well done davina really for sort of she's reinvented herself really hasn't she she's just become this champion of older women, yeah. whereas before she was a presenter and she did fitness videos. So when the time comes, I want a patch. So you disappeared at 5.30 last night, Nick. Tell I everyone did. why. I did. I actually went out for the evening. <gasps> like, this is this is unheard of because, you know, I don't like to leave Charlie and I've not been very well, yada, yada, yada. So I went to Newcastle to see the dog father which was great did he have dogs on stage he had a dog on stage was it not the equivalent of a circus because circuses aren't allowed to these animals no 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 he had a very he had an ex um racing greyhound on the stage and he just did a little bit with it and he was perfectly happy perfectly happy but it was quite an intimate audience and it was it was nice because i'd i'd sort of gone there i was late and i was in a rush you're always late I'd had an argument with someone, so I was quite upset. So at the traffic lights, I missed my turning. Then I backed into another car who then swore at me and drove off, thankfully. So it was kind of like really, ugh. And I got there and I I sat down. I went on my own because nobody else would have wanted to have gone and seen the lovely Graham. And I went on my own. And it was bliss, you know, it was absolute bliss because I had no, no, I didn't have to talk to anyone. I didn't have to sort of discuss the show with anyone you know like when you go with someone they want they chat to you while you're watching something you're trying to listen no but people do though don't they they'll say oh what did he say oh blah blah no you go what did he say what's he say (laughs) what's happening who murdered who and you know it was really nice and i i love going to things on my own i you know i think because of work and traveling i've always gone out to dinner on my own i'll be in paris and obviously everyone else in fashion hates me and i'll go to a restaurant and sit on my own. And I don't think there's a stigma around it anymore. No, there was a couple, I think, actually a couple I think of people I think women who say own. they can't 
go on the, out on their own. I can't go out to dinner on their own. And my friend wants me to go to the Lake District. I'm like, well, why don't you go on your own? I love going on my own. Yeah. Actually, I prefer it because you don't have to make boring small talk and also do yeah. what they want. What I missed was someone that was able to direct me while I was trying to find the place and that sort of thing. I missed having someone else in the car for that, you well, know. Yeah, your navigation I'm rubbish. Was terrible. No, and especially when I backed into a car, that was bad. But it doesn't bother me, you know, I'll go and eat on my if I want to, I'll go and eat on my own, I'll go to the theatre on my own. It just it just doesn't bother me. But it it's kind of like you look round at all these couples, all these people that are in the groups. The only time it was in the interval, I went off and got my Diet Coke and my bag of salt and vinegar and went and sat down and you you're sitting at the table. Are you allowed crisps? Uh, by who? By all the wellness apps and everything. Yeah, they say crisps are very good for you. It they were dinner to be fair. But there was just a time for me to check my messages and, you know, just, like, do a couple of things. Then I went back. I was quite happy, quite happy. So I enjoyed myself. It was a good show for anyone that's, that wants to go to any of the remaining shows. It was a good show. It's very funny. And at one point he, he was talking about doing the full Monty, but he did. He took his glasses off, but that was where he stopped. But it's funny. He's witty. I, I enjoyed it. And also this week I've, I had a phone call from my energy company, my oil company, saying, if you want your delivery of your oil tomorrow, you need to pay a £1,000. And I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> do you want to run that by me one more time? Apparently, it's my end-of-year anniversary. They call it an anniversary. Like, what is there to celebrate? You've come to the end of your energy year. Like, why would we call it an anniversary? And I pay monthly, like, you know, most people. I've got a direct debit monthly. And I said to them last time, make sure it covers my energy bills. Now they want a thousand pounds. So until August, I haven't got a thousand pounds next month to give them. So until August, I'm eking out the oil I've got left. But if it runs out, that's expensive because no, you have to get it all rebooted and everything. I've got it all on like a, a monitor. So if it got too low, they'd let me know. But I'm now scared to put the heating on in case it does run out. But just imagine how many people are in that position. I mean, this isn't because of the fuel rises now this is accumulative over the past year this isn't just because of now no but i think on. they've all put their prices up no that's right <laughs> but this but this is the past year and i'm thinking hey, you calculated my direct debit so badly you and it's like could you pay a thousand pounds and we'll, we'll send it to you more. yes of course i've just got a thousand pound laying around in my account i'll send it over to you now sod off i think you just need to sell, sell one of my handbags off. Sell one of your handbags. Have you got any left? Well, I've got one, but Teddy chewed it. Oh, we could sell one of the dogs, couldn't we? We'll get it's funny, isn't it? Whenever dog. we do the podcast, Teddy goes in my bag and starts taking things out. Lip gloss. No, he does. He masks. does. He does. And, and, and we've got this sort of like little conversation of, what's he got? Should he have it? That's a no. But do you want to hear about this week's column? Tell me, tell me all about it. Well, both the columns, the current column and the archive, and it's quite funny really because everyone on Twitter and everyone in the comments and everyone who emails me says, Liz, you've got to stop looking back. You've got to look. But I've got a section in the in the podcast called The Archive. I have to look back. It's not my fault. Didn't you? Someone said that on Twitter, didn't you? And you replied, it's an archive. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an archive. That's oh, the whole, my that's God. A, I don't want to look back. I'm forced to do it. Anyway, the headline on the column is which I might have to move again. It's Sunday morning. I get an email alert. I open it. 
I feel sick. I told you a few weeks ago that another crisis was brewing, but I thought it might be averted. It hasn't. It's landed. The cottage I've been renting for years and renovated for two years has been put up for sale. There online is my furniture, my lovely handmade Neptune kitchen, marble work surfaces. The advert says the cottage has a roll-top bath. Yeah, mine! Although I've had a mortgage agreed, as I knew this might happen, the amount I can borrow won't stretch to the asking price. The reason it's on for so much money is, of course, because I spent £40,000 on it. When I moved in, there was no central heating, laminate flooring that was curling upwards. The ancient hob caught fire, destroying the existing wood, false wood work surface. A cupboard door fell off, hitting me on the head. The bathroom was mouldy and the shower didn't work. In North Yorkshire, outside so much with the horses, I need to be warm. Plus, I work from home. I got permission to do it up. The cottage isn't big enough for more than one person, so I imagine it will become yet another holiday let in an ocean of them. Or a second home. I might return and do graffiti on the walls. Of course, everyone told me not to renovate a cottage I don't own, but I felt I deserved a nice home. Everyone, including my accountant, told me not to renovate a cottage I don't own, but I felt that I deserve a nice home. I don't wake each morning thinking, how can I stuff up my life today? But I always seem to be cornered with no escape, no other option. I can't live in a dump. I'll get depressed. It is really important to you, isn't it? I mean, it's important important to all of us. No, it is important to all of us. But, you know, I mean, I I think I was one of those people that said, for God's sake, don't spend that much money on a rented place. But as you said at the time, I can't live with it like this. No, and also I work from home. It's my workplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I have, to, I have to write funny copy. I work 12, 14 hours a day. I've got to be warm. It had no heating. No, the heating was a massive issue. Massive. It's expensive renting. People ride roughshod over you. The estate agent had turned up unannounced and started taking photographs. Not even a do you mind, not one single word, as if I'm invisible, although I'm standing there weak with shock. I'd had to move out for months while work on the cottage was done. I stayed with a friend, which wasn't easy, but she was terrified I would give her COVID. Then renovation work stopped for a year due to lockdown, which meant I didn't even have a kitchen tap. I put in new light switches and sockets, replaced a 25-year-old fuse box, a new boiler, flagstones, underfloor heating, the Duval kitchen taps alone cost £360. I don't want to move again. It's hard to rent anywhere with four dogs. And most importantly, my horses are outside. I would never cope looking after them if I had to travel. With Nick off sick, I'm on my knees. Despite the trolls online who post chippy messages, here's one. Oh dear, Liz Jones is having to look after her own horses for a change. I do that anyway, thanks. Trolls hate it when you say thanks. They absolutely hate it when you say, oh, I I do that anyway, thanks. But currently I've Nick's to look after her too. What would they like me to do? Sack her? Leave them unattended? Someone else wrote, it's not that Liz travels anywhere to write her diary. Don't call it a diary. It's not a diary, it's a column. Dear. 
Yeah, you're so right. For work, I've only been to Ethiopia, Kenya, Somalia, Bolivia, New York, Paris, Milan, Canada, Haiti, Pakistan, India, Tuscany, Bali, Rome, Venice, Bangladesh, Florida, Los Angeles, all at the last minute. I remember I was told to get on a plane to Venice with two hours' notice. I had to hair down the motorway to Manchester Airport, half-dressed, screeching down the phone to Nick. Which terminal? Which terminal? Yeah, okay, maybe I should just leave the horses in the field while I'm in Venice, shall I? Let the collies bark and starve. It's funny, isn't it? The people who try to do the right thing always get clobbered the most. I think that's a good way of dealing with it, though, like being polite and say, thank you know, thanks. What, when with you trolls? With trolls, yeah. I know I was doing the Melissa Peart course, and one of the things... Fit? No, it's not Wild Fit. It, it was, it's RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy. And she, she was saying, with people that try and put you down and criticise you... If you just sort of say to them, are you trying to make me feel bad? Would you like, you know, why are you trying to make me feel bad? I'm fine. I'm not going to be affected by it. But thank you for your feedback. Or saying to someone, thank you for your feedback. Thank you for letting me know. Rather than responding in a negative way and getting yourself upset. But it's funny, isn't it, how people online think they know more about your life than you do. Oh, it's not like she travels much for work. Why can't she look after her own horses? So I've just listed all the countries I've been to for work and there's probably more of them. What am I supposed to do? No, I think there are more. No, and I think the trouble is with some your situation, you put pockets of information out there in your diary. It's not a diary, it's a column. (laughs) It's Joan's diary. It's an (laughs) award-winning column, actually. And people then will take a bit from that column a bit from that column and piece it together and think they've got the whole story when it's actually pieces of a jigsaw no i think what it is is they're chippy oh we're back to chippy again they are they're chippy they don't like a single woman who didn't get where she is through nepotism or knowing someone or their father doing something they didn't marry someone useful they're chippy because they don't think i deserve it and they think i shouldn't employ someone to look after my animals while I'm in Canada because what's the alternative? The animals would starve. But that, that's just the way of the world, isn't it? We, we employ people to do jobs that we can't do because we either don't have the skills or we're too busy or, or whatever the reason is. We, we, you know, that's the way the world but goes But isn't around. that your job as a person not just to take from society, to take maternity leave and time off and holidays and keep going to the GP and saying, why am I getting older? Stop it. We should contribute to the society by being employers, by employing people, employing local craftsmen, employing someone to help us, employing... Because then you're helping the the economy, aren't you? You yeah. don't just squirrel it all away and keep it to yourself and do a really bad job. No, of course not. It's it, it, it's just the way the world goes round. Everyone's employed, everyone employs. Yeah, but why are people criticising me for it? I don't know. I don't know. It's very, because they're chippy. They're chippy. That's why. Block them. You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. 
I know you keep saying, everyone, that I shouldn't look back, but I'm afraid there's an archive section in the podcast. I'm sorry. Nothing I can do about it. Is it the archive, though? So this is my Mail on Sunday op-ed piece, for which I was nominated as columnist of the year about six times, which is quite hard when you write op-eds for the Mail on Sunday, because people generally don't like slightly more right-wing papers. Will everyone know what an op-ed is? Well, it's the opposite editorial. It's where the opinion pieces are. See, I feel that we all might need an explanation of that. You well, that yeah, I don't op-ed. need to say anymore. I don't, it's an op-ed. <laughs> and this is from 2012. If I could board a time machine and go back and change one thing that's happened in my life, it wouldn't be that I would have made more of an effort to have a child or a dop, or that I'd have worked in New York after I was fired from Marie Claire, or that I'd never embarked on a diet or that I'd never had cosmetic surgery, or spent so much on clothes. No, no, no. Those decisions are mere flies in the ointment. The one decision I would change would be that once I bought my first home in a slum clearance area in Brixton, I'd have stayed put. Not just because the road where my first house still nettles has long since been gentrified, the small two-bed terrace now worth way over a million. I bought it in 1984 for £36,000, but it's because it's where I belonged. Even thinking of that little house now makes me nauseous with nostalgia. I used to cycle to work each morning past Harvey Nichols, then through Hyde Park. I think about the weekend I pasted floral sprigged Laura Ashley wallpaper upside down. Oh. You did not and use Laura Ashley wallpaper. Yeah, but this was the early 80s. You weren't oh, even born. And the thing about Laura Ashley wallpaper is you had to buy the little border. It had another border you that you didn't put have around a the border. edge. You had the border. Oh, my God. You are my, a cliche. My first love lived in Brixton. My first grown-up dinner party was in Brixton. I've just remembered that when I woke to find someone had tried to jimmy open the front windows, even violent crime fails to stem my love of Brixton. But that's just that's just London, isn't it? I mean, you don't you don't get upset about. No, you get up. Yeah, someone's tried to jimmy open the front windows. You think, oh great, you just crack on. But thinking about that first house and the fact that someone has tried to jimmy open the front windows, I remembered that my late brother turned up unbidden and he slept every night on the floor in the front room to keep me and my sister safe see that's nice because you've had you've got so many sort of miserable like memories of your family well i was nearly murdered in my bed but yeah it wasn't that miserable compared to everything no, but else it, no but i mean it's nice that he come to look after you that's a nice thing about your family a positive story maybe i should travel even further back before i left for london Make sure I stayed firmly in the town where I was born, Chelmsford, in Essex. Go Essex! Go Essex! My dad was born in a nearby village to Chelmsford called Turling. I went back to the town for a story in the Daily Mail not long ago, and as I walked down the high street, now pedestrianised, I don't like pedestrianised streets, actually. Why it's not? Just, but because everything's homogenous and all town centres are the same, it used to be beautiful. In the 70s, the only place you could go to eat was a wimpy, and I didn't have any money, so oh. I couldn't afford to eat. All I could have was a Coke. It now has artisanal street food stalls. Bring back wimpy. I walked past the old Odeon Cinema, now a nightclub, and I was reminded of the night I went to see The Towering Inferno with my friend Sarah. My love for Paul Newman surged afresh at the memory. 
And also in that Odeon, I went to see Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And I'm sitting in the dress circle because I thought I need an expensive ticket because it's Paul Newman and Robert Redford. And it starts with the tinky, plinky, plonky music. And it's all sepia. It's all black and white. It's all brown and white. It's all sepia. And I was thinking, no, I paid for a ticket in the dress circle and I don't get to see Paul Newman in colour. I was going to go and complain. But then after a few minutes, it is in colour. And the relief. Patience, Padawan. Patience. The last time I stepped inside the department store in Chelmsford used to be Bonds, but is now Debenhams, and it's probably now not even Debenhams. My parents were still out there in the world, alive, cooking, weeding, trying to make my brothers get a haircut. I couldn't help but feel that if I still lived here, my parents would be around me. That lawn my dad slaved over, and that ancient quince tree, the fruit of which my mum turned into jam. You see, when I go back to London, I'm... I'm always in tears every time I go back to London because I turn a street and I think, oh, that's where I snogged that photographer. Oh, and I'm in Ketner's and that's where I went to my friend Rabina's little party. And every street has a memory, whereas up here no street has a memory. No, no, no. Well, we've we've got to create memories up here. We've got to move forward and create. You see, I think the reason I kept moving was I was seduced by TV shows like Location, Location, Location... Phil Spencer actually found my farm in Somerset. I remember you saying that. And he kept that. phoning me up to pay his money. But you're the same now, aren't you? You're always on websites looking at houses. You're you're still always looking. I mean, you've got a legitimate reason Well, there's a reason, reason to now. that. And I, so, I, yeah, I'm going to come to that in a minute. So the column carries on. Moving away from not just your friends, but the familiar. So when I left Islington, I left behind the florist that did my wedding flowers. Mm. And I did they did the flowers for my mum's funeral. Mm. Even the basement kitchen where you found out your husband was cheating. Your past, like a tent caught in a gale, is ripped from its moorings and disappears. Like many people, I moved house thinking, oh, once I'm there in that dreamy location, I will be happy. It never happens, mostly because you take yourself with you. The most sorted person I know is my best friend. We met when we were both 18, and she's still in the very same townhouse off Mill Hill Broadway she lived in then. Her daughter was taken home there after she was born. Her mum lives around the corner and sees her every day. Last time I stayed with her, we reminisced about seeing Star Wars when it opened on Leicester Square in 1977. I told her daughter, who's now 21, that her mum hasn't changed a bit. Her hair is the same. Her mannerisms are the same. Her face is the same. But most importantly, her house is the same. Mm. There's a lot to be said, isn't there, for feeling secure and having your roots around you. Yeah. And uh, settling and not yeah. being ambitious and just staying where you are. And just having the, the familiar. I mean, I'm the same as you. Obviously, I moved from London and, and we've moved up here and, and stuff. And all, all my familiar places, you know, the places I used to go in Epping Forest. The Happy Pillow. The Happy Pillow. <laughs> but, you know, that like Epping Forest at Lippitz Hill, the, ha- the owl, you know, I used to have my horse there. Me and my best friend Tina, we spent hours, you know, we'd go riding and we'd go and get dinner in the pub next door and all these places that I think if I went there, I'd cry. You know, and it's funny, it when I, you know, when I go back to Soho, I used to work in Soho and I go back to Essex, I'm sort of quite upset that it's all carrying on without me. Yeah. And it's like, 
why are you still existing because I'm not here anymore? I think as well, I mean, certainly, you know, my, the places I go, it, they've changed so much. Everything's really different now. And that, all our memories, we're all in a, this time bubble, aren't we? That That's not the reality now. These places aren't the same, mostly. No, I mean, Chelmsford has just got better. So it's got food stalls and artisan bread and everything whereas I just had a wimpy. But I still had that emotional connection yeah, to Chelmsford. Yeah. And it, I felt I could feel my mum and dad. And I was walking along yeah. the pedestrianised things outside Bonds, which is now Debenhams, which is now nothing. And my mum and dad were in the world breathing when I was walking there. Yeah. And this time, they're all dead. Yeah, no, that's And my horrible. brother, who came to sleep on my floor, is now dead. Yeah, that's awful. That's horrible. I can't imagine. I honestly can't imagine because I've still got my mum. I mean, I can't imagine what that could be like. Although I think my mum would be haunting me from the other side. I don't think she'll leave me in peace. Every week, lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. So how are the readers this week now? Are, well, they, are they still alive? You, you know, you were saying about, you know, people saying about moving forward and actually we had someone say that. Um, we had a comment on, on the diary. It's not a diary, it's a column, and it's an award-winning column. Thank uh, from you. Mojo Jethro, who said, I don't think there's a woman alive that can't identify in some way with the hurtful, thoughtless comments from others. So that's relating to, to what you were talking about last week, where you were saying that the way people had spoken to you and not giving you any confidence had affected your life. And she says, you yeah, know, particularly as a teenager. But Liz, you're 60 plus now, you've had a successful career. Don't say those words. I'm reading them, it's not my fault. Travelled wildly, widely, been very well paid and a fit and, <laughs> Thank you. Been very well paid and a fit and healthy with animals and friends. Stop looking back and get on with living. You have endless. I have to look back because it's called an archive. No, but you have endless possibilities before that, but you don't see it. So she's saying what you were saying. People were saying about you, if that makes sense. But what possibilities do I have? Well, you've got a whole future, a whole lot of memories to build, haven't you? Things to explore, adventures to have. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> we also have uh, Susan who said, Hi Liz, just read your article about people making comments to you that stay with you. I'm 75 and I'm told I don't look at it, but I've never overcome or forgotten comments made to me by various so-called friends and even my sister. See, families do it a lot, don't they? They haven't got the same boundaries where you can't say something and they say it and it's really hurtful. When I look back at photographs of me, I look fine. But I had zero self-esteem and still do, and it's not nice, is it? No, I talked before about that photo of me in my Barbican flat in 1977, yeah. and I thought it was hideous, and I had agoraphobia, and had anorexia, and it, I had young hair. My hair was young. It had that look about it that, that was young, young and shiny. Hair. I, I had young hair. Yeah, I remember having a young face. I looked at a picture of me, and my face was sort of smooth. It didn't have these... Pockets. I've got pockets. I could carry me shopping in me cheeks. I'm like a gerbil that's got me nuts stored. Anyway, should we put it all into perspective? Go on there. 
who cares anyway from Horsham <laughs> left a comment <laughs> and putting it in perspective he says great to be a bloke none of the self-obsessed hang-ups and time spent dwelling on them instead of getting on with life and making the most of it right Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.